Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Micro, a podcast for short but powerful writing. I'm your host, Drew Hawkins. The three pieces in this episode exist in the space of loss, without putting a name on it. They reach for more than just sadness or grief, but for memory and the relativity of that memory. This first one packs so much of the complexity of relationship into a few small sections, and is a testament to the power of empathy, of walking a mile in another's shoes to experience their trauma. It's called How Then? It was written by Anna Vangala Jones and published by Pigeonholes in November 2018. Enjoy. How Then? by Anna Vangala Jones. 1. It was little Parvathy who first tested out the walk a mile in another man's shoes theory. She learned it could be done at dusk in the shadowy lot bridging her small town's drugstore and yoga studio. Two, she'd been imagining her older sister, Pooja, her fair and lovely skin, her liquid or viruses that cast moonlight on all in their path when she remembered the perky platitude. So she crammed her wide feet into her sister's spotless keds at just the time in just the place. Her bones and limbs lengthened until they almost splintered. Her ribs ached as the chest perched above them grew heavy and full. Her lips swelled as her belly curved inward. Her cheeks hollowed and bloomed pink. Her eyes shimmered. Three. Little Parvathy had never been the object of so much attention before never shrunk under the gaze of so many hungry, intimidating, demanding creatures, never heard so many words reduce her to nothing more than a pair of breasts and legs. She remembered the night her sister came home from a date with her eyes wet and her skirt torn. At the time, Parvathy thought Pooja was silly and vain to cry over such a mild injury to her precious clothes. The breath of the monsters hot on her skin. Parvathy shivered in her sister's shoes until her borrowed bones rattled. 
She wrenched herself free of their insistent fingers, certain of what she must do. Four. Parvathy stared at her reflection in the store window, cringing and wincing as she scarred her temporary face with a rock. She had to see to it that her sister's beauty could never hurt her again. They would be plain and safe together. Anna Vangala Jones is the author of the short story collection Turmeric and Sugar, forthcoming from 30 West Publishing in May 2021. And her fiction has appeared or is forthcoming in Catapult, Wigleaf, Had, OK Donkey, and others. You can find her on Twitter at AnnieJoe underscore 17, on Instagram at AnnieJoeWrites, or on her website at AnnaVangalaJones.com. This next piece involves the idea of moving on and death as something that can't be fixed or made to look pretty. It's called Rigor Mortis. It was written by Tarina Elizabeth Bell and published by Jute on February 29th, 2020. Enjoy. wanted to believe Grandpa was really dead. So when his body shot straight up, torso poking out of the casket, the others rushed it, Eddie fumbling with his wrist, screaming, there's no pulse, no pulse, like he actually thought there'd be one. Only Teresa stayed in her chair, staring at her hands, slowly tracing the wrinkles of one with her fingertips from the other. She, you see, knew Grandpa had died setting up. She was there. Just as the others were leaving, assured Grandpa would make it through the night, the old man had reached out and taken Teresa's hand. He didn't want to worry you all, she said, for Grandpa had seen the death angel, and as he cleaved to his eldest daughter, his other arm pointed. I see it, Teresa told him, looking toward the empty space. It's okay, Daddy. Go. And so he did, the fatigue across his face turning to curiosity, his eyes moving up, then down. I wish I'd thought to move him, Teresa later said, do something before the rigor mortis set in. But instead, she'd just stared at that empty space, at the place where her father had gone, but she did not. Can you go to heaven setting down? asked Eddie's little boy, his father continuing to grapple with the body, attempting to unfold Grandpa. Five bucks he died that way on purpose, said their sister, just so he could do this. Where's the funeral home, man? Eddie grunted. Aren't they supposed to handle this? Shoving and prodding while he swore under his breath, yet Teresa just sat there, looking at her hands, staring at her fingers, in the space now in between them. Originally from Sinking Fork, Kentucky, Tarina Elizabeth Bell is a fiction writer living in New York. 
You can find her on Twitter at Tarina Bell or on her website at TarinaBell.com. Last but certainly not least is a piece that explores the relativity of time and love. It's called I Sang the Telephone Book to You the Day You Hung Yourself. It was written by Pat Forn and published by Wigleaf in November 2020. Please enjoy. I sang the telephone book to you the day you hung yourself with a belt tied around the curtain rod above your bathtub. Or I sang it to you the day after, a week later, a month, it doesn't matter. What matters is I sang the phone book to you. The day I realized you might love me, I told you about the singing the phone book thing. Singing being something I think about when I think about love. I asked if you knew the old line, how a great singer could sing any song, any lyric, anything written, including the phone book, and it would sound great. It would be great. The singer, usually a singer's singer, like Edith P.F. or Vic Damone, would sing it in a way no one else could. The singer would make the phone book their own, and people would say, I never heard anything like this. How did you do that? Thank you for sounding like this, for singing this way, for sounding like this and singing this way in my lifetime. And you liked it when I told you this. You said you wanted to hear me sing the phone book, sing it to you, sing it when you would least expect. Sing it so you could hear my voice, hear me. You didn't know if it would be great, my singing. You didn't care if it would suck. You wanted to hear me sing the phone book to you. Someday. I told you I would surprise you. I would sing it to you someday. It could be a distraction. The kind you were afraid you'd run out of. While I was telling you this, the light came to the notch where your neck met your collarbone, and I realized I might love you too. Or I realized it the day after. A week later? A month? It doesn't matter. What matters is I realized I might love you, and I would sing the phone book to you someday. You told me you imagined the phone book would be tricky to sing, trickier than the star-spangled banner or that I've never been to me song because the phone book is all alphabetized and shit. All those companies putting all those A's in front of their names to compete for your attention compete for your call. Singing words that weren't words, words that began with four or five A's in a row, had to be hard, you said. I told you I would practice, I would work on it, I would get that A thing down. And I practiced, I got the A thing down. It didn't matter if I got it down, if I sucked at singing the phone book, or if I sang it great. What mattered was you wanted me to sing the phone book to you. You wanted to hear my voice, to hear me, and I was sure I would sing it to you soon. Whether I sang the phone book to you soon 
or soon enough, is a time and space question I'm not sure I can answer. And I don't know if I suck or don't suck at singing it. It doesn't matter. What matters in a moment when I uncharacteristically feel this side of certain is every letter A in every word of every lyric of every song I've sung since you died is a letter A I sang for you, to you, and in a time and space thing I do feel sure about, with you. What matters is the harmony. Love and loved and will love. Pat Foran is a writer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You can find him on Twitter at PD Foran or on his website at neutralspaces.co slash your underscore Pat Foran. Micro is edited and curated by Dylan Evers and produced and hosted by me, Drew Hawkins. Original music is by Matt Ordez. You can find all of the information about this episode's writers, their featured work, and the publications where they were published in the show notes. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts and check out some of our other episodes. You can also always find our shows at micropodcast.org, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Podcast Micro. Thanks for listening. <laughs>